tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, atmospheric science graduate and skyworn storm spotter Brady Harris, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel Kim Cunningham, Emmy-winning storm chaser and photographer Chris Sanner, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn storm spotter and chaser Phil Johnson. Welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. This is the Stormfront Freaks podcast. If you happen to be a first-time listener, thanks for checking us out. Be sure to go to stormfrontfreaks.com to check out our library of previous shows and great guests, but this is episode 45 of season 3.0, and we're actually double dipping tonight. Uh, We've actually got two guests from the Storm Warriors chase team. We're joined by Bill Ford and Mike Prendergrass. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, welcome. Glad to be here. uh, Hey, Warriors. I was going to drink three beers and do that, but I couldn't get three down fast. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's Escape from New York. Great movie. Okay. Missed it. Anyway, uh, if you missed it, this is episode 45. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll also be discussing if organizations and even storm chasers should do more to equip themselves for assisting after the storm hits. And don't forget to stick around for our hot WX resources and crazy-ass weather fools because maybe someone you know might have made that list. But, uh, hey, the best way to always introduce our co-hosts and set the enjoyable, laid-back nature of the show is to show us and find out what everybody is drinking. So we always tell everybody, hey, feel free to join us as long as you're not driving or at work. Um, You're you're certainly welcome (laughs) to join us. Um, MJ is our... Skywarn Spotter Coordinator up in Minnesota. What are you drinking tonight, MJ? Hey, tonight I have uh, Yellow Belly, which is a, a hard cider that happens to be made uh, and bottled right here in Mora, Minnesota, where I'm from. So, nice. no kidding. There we go. Yep. Wow. So, what else do they make? Cider. Okay. <laughs> green Belly. Yeah, green Belly. Yeah, they make it. They make a couple other flavors, but yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, Maz is our former TV meteorologist in Cincinnati. Maz, what do you got? Only because I had a drinking problem, though, right? Of course, right. <laughs> Actually, tonight I'm going uh, uh, whiskey Coke. Oh. So yeah. Nice. And I was going to do that. That's I was nice. going to do the Warriors thing, but you know, whiskey before beer. Never. Beer, I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> All right. I've I've got uh, tonight. I am drinking. This is a Christmas leftover. It is called the Mad Elf. Nice. Uh, the Mad Elf is a ale brewed with honey and cherries once a year. So it's, well, it's a limited edition, and I will sell it right now to the highest bidder because it's a made from the edition. made from the sweat of elves. It is. It must. <laughs> wow. Be. Okay. That must um, be good. It must. Be. I'm trying to see where this is from. Way up Trogs? north. Trogs. Trogs. T r o e g s. I don't Trogs? know. Never heard of it. Huh. I'll tell you how it is uh, once I get into it. Chris is our storm chaser in Oklahoma City. What do you got for us tonight? Sandman. Okay, I am actually drinking a mixture of items tonight. It's really intense. Uh-oh. First off, I have in my Chiefs cup, because I'm still in mourning over that playoff loss, <laughs> I have a little bit of herbal tea with uh, cinnamon. So doing that, 
And then also just to make sure the hydration is complete, I have water infused with vitamins. So there you go, Phil. Once again, I am I am just good rolling. job, man. We got, one healthy, we got one healthy guy. Yeah, you live longer than the rest of us. You know, and I just realized we got started without Brady. Oops. So oh, you're right. Wow. Where is he? <laughs> we lost we lost Brady. For those of you listening, we had we had a, a little uh connection link problem when we got started tonight. So we had to redo a new link and, and reconnect a different way. And it looks like we lost someone in the process. Wait, you know he always <laughs> likes to make an entrance. <laughs> he probably does. But hey, I know our guests are also uh joining us tonight. Mm -hmm. So Bill, Bill, uh, where are you and what are you drinking tonight? So we're in Wichita, or actually Weatherford, Texas, and uh, my fermented drink of the night is a uh, wild blueberry kombucha. So I've actually warmed it up. I've warmed it up, and I put it in this cup, and um, it's really good. So, so what's a kombucha? Yeah. So a kombucha is a fermented tea, and so uh, you know it's got uh, you know it's got all the makings of a good fermented drink uh, without the alcohol. Uh, but uh, it's really good. It's got probiotics, and it's uh, you know it's good for your your wow. digestion and all kinds of good stuff. So it's the uh, drink of champions tonight. Some some people might ask, why would you drink a fermented drink that has no alcohol in it? <laughs> yeah, but that, I, I'm exactly. just speaking for other people. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> well, that's good. All right, Mike, where are you, and what are you drinking this evening? Um, I am the uh, actually drinking the exact opposite of Chris's um, healthy stuff. I've got a Route 44 vanilla Dr. Pepper from uh, Sonic. So <laughs> yeah, fermented, fermented. Opposite of healthy. Fermented. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm, in I'm in Midlothian, <laughs> Texas, just uh, south of Dallas. South of Dallas. Mm -hmm. And right, I will well, brag about our weather here, uh, all you guys up north. Sorry, but it was like 68 today. So yeah. wow. enjoy it. Sunny. All right. You better. We know where you live now, so you better be careful. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, I'm going to turn it over, Sander, to you to go ahead and give our guests a formal introduction. Okay, I can do that. Tonight's yeah. guest on the show is Bill Ford and Mike Pendergast, both of the Storm Warriors Storm Chase team. Mike, I, spit, I said your right na last name right, correctly. Uh, close enough. Close Pendergast. enough. Yeah, okay. Good. okay, good, good. Just making sure. I, it's <laughs> always been tricky to me, so I see it, and it just messes with me. I don't know why. But anyways, continuing on. Bill Ford has been tracking down tornadoes and helping with disaster relief for three decades. Wow. After witnessing the aftermath of the 1999 Moore tornado, Bill has been stopping and giving assistance to those affected by storms. He was involved in the recovery from Rita, Katrina, and Sandy, as well as many tornado aftermaths in Texas and Oklahoma. Bill believes no one should ever die from a tornado. He helps bring advance warning to communities by bringing ground truth to the National Weather Service and other news media. Bill has also been a part of helping train volunteer firefighters, county sheriffs, and community leaders on how to give advance warning. In addition, helping families, communities, organizations, and schools responsibly through awareness and education through their Nowhere to Go campaign. Born and bred in Texas, Mike uh, first gained a fascination with all things extreme weather when he experienced the power of a Category 3 Hurricane Alicia in 1983 as the eyewall passed over his childhood home. He has been enamored with weather ever since, and in particular, tornadoes. His heart for serving others spills over into storm chasing. While he enjoys being, seeing the power of the storm, which I agree with 100%, he hates to see communities get ravaged, which I also agree with. After years of asking God why he has this fascination with something that causes so much pain and destruction, 
God has shown Mike the good and being able to warn others of the impending storm, assist those that need it most, and help restore those communities affected. So guys, I, the first question in these segments is always very simple. Why weather? What, what about weather caught your eye? Mike, you go first. Um, I think just the just the nature of how quick stuff can change. I mean, it could go from, you know, sunny blue skies to a tornado in a matter of minutes sometimes, especially here in Texas and Oklahoma. Um, and just seeing just the fluidity of, of everything moving. And then just the fact that just basically air and water can combine to, to create such beautiful, beautiful storms and, um, it's, it's just, it's always been a fascination of mine since a kid, but um, just seeing it up close and personal, uh, I think is just sort of uh, added to that. What about you, Bill? So it was the power, uh, the fear, uh, the captivation. Uh, my first storm in uh, Wichita, Kansas, I saw a tower blow up and I was fascinated and I drove out. I thought it was going to take me 30 minutes to get out there. It took me an hour and a half to get underneath the mezzo. And I sat there and I just was overwhelmed. I was captivated by the power. And, you know, at the same time, I, you know, I was fearful, but, you know, when you get drawn into a storm, when you get, you know, when you chase weather, you know, you're drawn to this. And uh, I was drawn to it. And I didn't know why for a long time. And, you know, like Mike, I was asking a lot of questions along the way because I saw a lot of devastation and uh, wanted to uh, do something about it. Three decades. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. You're so. like 35 though. How is that even? <laughs> oh, thank you. That's good. Yeah. So yeah, my wife would tell, tell you that, uh, that I romanced her under the rotation. So when you guys were taking your wives out on, you know, typical dates, uh, my mm -hmm. wife was with me, uh, storm chasing as I courted her. So Bill, what, <laughs> what, what, what's your background bill that's got you still storm chasing i mean what what's your background as from from a weather standpoint how did you teach yourself to do that so i chased and, and danielle will tell you my wife would tell you that uh, i was really uh an idiot because i had no technology I had no training and i just drove out underneath storms and um i learned a lot just by observation and so uh in fact even today i i would prefer to get out of the truck and feel what the storm's telling me as opposed to looking at the radar um, and so I learned that way. And so why I, I just, again, I just, uh, when there was a storm and I knew it was going to blow up, I just wanted to be out there. And I couldn't tell you why for a very long time. Bill's been doing it so long that he actually used to take dirt and pour it out and watch to see where the tornado is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mike. Is that well, what, did that Mike, back in the day? <laughs> Mike, what about you, Mike? How, where did you get your, uh, how'd you teach yourself on chasing and weather? Um, mostly by accident, um, just just loved it so much that I wanted to do it. And I had, I work in radio and um, a, a guy, some of y'all may know Jeff Tyler. Um, he was a radio producer and had rented his, his show he was producing, had rented space in our, in our studio. And one April day, I see him pull up and he's got all this stuff on his car. And I'm like, oh dude, he's a storm chaser. I gotta go talk to him. So I went and introduced myself and invited myself out, out on a chase and went and was like, all right, this is what I'm doing. This is fun. But um, always loved weather. I went to school for weather and then ended up falling into radio instead. Um, but um, I've never lost that passion for it. How long was that first chase? Um, not long. I think we left like after work one, one, one afternoon and we were gone. This would have been, um, uh, we went out to East Texas. So we were home that evening, so probably five or six hours. So it's not like, hey, I'm going to come ride in the car with you. three weeks no. later. Yeah. <laughs> three weeks later. It's like, you really need to leave. 
So what started your your passion, uh, Bill, specifically for combining now, and, and you could talk a little bit about the rescue mission that you guys have, but what, what started that passion to start combining chasing with the aftermath and helping people afterwards? So again, going back to the Oklahoma City or more Oklahoma tornado, uh, I was devastated coming back from that chase. I got caught in the debris uh, of that community and I couldn't get out of there because there was so much debris and I just began to see something that I never saw before in a chase. I began to see, see people that were hurt and they were covered in mud and they were covered in blood. And, and uh, I drove back to Texas and, um, you know, literally I cried, you know, all the way home. And I got home and I said, I'll never do it this way again. You know, so something touched me. There was a, there was a compassion for these people that their lives were, you know, turned upside down in a matter of moments. And, uh, you know, when these people were looking at me, as I was trying to get out of there, they were, you know, they were saying, are you going to stop and help? And, you know, I had no tools, no training, no equipment. And uh, I really felt so inadequate that uh, I just kept thinking about, I want to do this different. I don't know what it looks like, but I want to do this different. And so over time, we came up with the, uh, you know, the acronym, what we call now, uh, the War and Assist Restore, which is, which is war, where storm warriors came from. Uh, we wanted to, you know, warn communities first because we believe that, you know, we can save more lives if we can get the warning out to people and they can get to their safe place sooner, know where to go, and then assist them in the event that there is a disaster, then we can, you know, we'll talk about deployment at some point, I'm sure. Uh, we could, you know, stop and help and render aid to, to, to these families. And then, you know, the other thing about what we do, which is really the place where uh, I probably am more fulfilled, is really in the restoration side. And, and uh, we, we really want to bring a message of hope to families because, you know, after... Uh, you know, the IC closes down and FEMA's gone and Red Cross is gone. You know, these family storms have really just begun. And so, you know, I want to be back there and, and helping these families, you know, start a restoration process because their lives have been significantly changed. And, and they're asking the question, you know, where's the hope? Where do you even begin with yeah. the rest? I mean, you're like, yeah, there's it's oh, it's got to be super overwhelming. And you're like, where do you start? Yeah, you start with one family at a time. And, you know, so, you know, the first thing that we did was uh, in uh, Katrina, we just actually gathered supplies and uh, sent them down to uh, the the affected areas. But it was actually Rita where we took several teams uh, down and, and went through Orange County and up into Louisiana and uh, worked through the communities. And, you know, we're checking into the ICs and, and uh, you know, got, you know, our assignments. And, and really it was the people along the way that, that, uh, had a huge impact on all of us. And so, you know, we know that we can't touch them all, but the ones that we do touch and the communities that come together because we are there, we're, you know, feeding them and we're giving them the things that they need because they have nothing. Um, you know, it's those moments, it's those, you know, 10, 15, you know, hundred people that come together because you're there doing something that they need. Yeah. Mike, how, how did you get hooked up with Bill? How, how did this whole Ooh. connection start? <laughs> <laughs> um, mutual friends. And so it's just, just through social media, um, um, one of us seeing one another, um, both of us are really strong in our faith. So seeing that, um, how we play that out on the chaser community, out in the field, on social media, we had this kind of connection and, um, me, Bill and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, Mike Casey, um, kind of just sort of just naturally just were, uh, Came together so i've known bill about what bill about four years maybe 
Yeah. So so, um, Mike Mike was, you know, Mike was a guy that we always, you know, found on the corner of some community, you know, he was out chasing and we just got to know each other and, and we got to share, you know, our dreams and our, you know, our visions for, you know, what this looked like. And then, then he, you know, started joining us in the truck and really had, uh, you know, you guys all know this, that, you know, when you, when you're chasing with somebody, you got somebody navigating, you got somebody looking at radar and, you know, you got to trust these guys, you know, with your life. And uh, Mike was a guy that we trusted and, and, and really, you know, enjoyed his, uh, you know, personality. So it's the Mike and Mike comedy show in the storm truck. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot of fun. And uh, these guys are really a lot of fun, but uh, you know, he was, his heart, his heart and our heart was really, you know, came together you know, really for the people. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. So, so talk about, I, there's been a couple of disasters in the past year. Have you guys had any uh, hands in recovery efforts there like Harvey or Irma or anything like that? Uh, yeah. Let me give you a, a couple of, uh, so we, uh, we actually took uh, a nine tractor trailer full of supplies down to uh, Houston, Beaumont and, and to the, the coast. And we've taken several teams as well. And so we've done everything from the initial uh, restoration, taking the immediate needs, you know, every, especially hurricanes, every hurricane has cycles. And so, you know, the needs for what, you know, uh, what people need, you know, we have to adjust as, as these needs get fulfilled. So, you know, towards the end, and we're actually, we're still, we're still helping some families, but t- towards the end, we're just clearing houses and dealing with mold and, you know, wow. helping families with sheetrock and, and, you know, it, it takes teams to do that. So, uh, you yeah. know, the, the volunteers are really important, you know, for us to go down and, and, uh, you know, bring this hope. Yeah. How did, how did you like learn to like do like sheetrock and deal with mold? I mean, is that just self-taught over years? Yeah. You know, I've learned from some people that, uh, that have been doing disaster relief for a long time, disaster recovery. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I've just been a sponge for that information and, and, uh, you know, coupled myself with people that are out there doing it, you know, nobody, you know, has all the answers and, and you know, can provide all the assistance to all the need that's out there. So you really gotta, you know, kind of lock yourself in with people that are doing this well and uh, that are making a difference and you learn a lot from people. Um, so yeah. that's what we've done. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you guys chase a lot together? I mean, how often are you guys together chasing? Right. Quite often. I mean, we, we were out uh, just this last weekend here in East Texas and um, um, sometimes we're all t- together in the truck. Other times I may be kind of more of an advanced team um, in my own Vehicle, which is already full of hail dents, so it's okay if I get in there sometimes. <laughs> close, but, uh, That's what the rent is for, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so we're out. Um, really, most of our chases we're together. Hmm. So yeah, so dozens of times. The, a real, year. the real question is, who gets to decide where to eat? That's the real question. <laughs> the driver. Usually whoever's dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoever's dying. Again, the right. driver. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you guys get like on the assist and and uh, and is it restore? Mm-hmm. Is it the R? Yeah. On the assistant restore, where do you guys get the supplies, the volunteers? Do, do you hook up with other agencies? I mean, how does that all, what's the logistics of it? Well, for a long time, you know, we have uh, funded this out of our pockets. And, uh, you know, we started wow. you know, after the uh, Moore, Oklahoma tornado. Uh, again, I didn't know what I was doing, but, you know, I started throwing chainsaws in the back of our Honda Accord and, you know, first aid kits that you'd buy at Walmart. And, uh, you know, just whatever we could get our hands on, we'd start throwing it in there. And over time, uh, you know, we were able to, you know, equip a truck that, you know, has AEDs. It's got uh, medical uh, equipment in there. It's got, you know, search and rescue gear and, um, you know, everything that we need to be able to stop and help and render aid to people along with the training. And uh, we also carry a lot of um, roadside assistance 
um, tools because uh, we find a lot of people alongside the road that are, you know, they're broke down, they're stuck in the ditch and, you know, they need help. There's a storm coming. And so, you know, we're just trying to be trying to be prepared. So over time, uh, we have done that. Now, uh, what's been really interesting is there's been an evolution because, uh, you know, as, as as Mike said, this has become more of a ministry. So more people are wanting to come alongside us and and join in the efforts. And so there there has been people that have been, you know, giving to uh, the restoration um, and, you know, and it's not just, you know, so when I say we took nine tractor trailer, uh, full of supplies down to these areas, it was because of the donations and the generosity of so many people. Uh, and they gave financially as well, because, you know, a lot of people aren't going to go, but they want to give. And so they're looking for, you know, that organization that they can give to, to help support, uh, you know, in the relief effort. So, you know, we're, we're evolving, you know, just like, uh, you know, any organization does. Yeah. So, Bill, you, obviously, both you and Mike, you've talked about the strong faith that you have. Um, it, just tell me a little bit, how are, are are you bringing along with that restoration and, and repair, are you bringing a message to people in the process or just through the giving that that's your goal? No, I, you know, the centerpiece of everything we do is really what we call the message of hope. And, uh, you know, what we find uh, time and time and time again is these communities are trying to pick up the pieces of their life. Uh, and, you know, they're asking the question, you know, I, they don't, I don't know where to begin. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to call. I mean, they don't have the list. Nobody's given the list of, you know, the things to do next. So they're trying to figure this out. And, and so what we really try to help them understand is that, you know, there is hope and that, and that hope is really uh, the, 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 foundation of looking forward forward to you know the end in other words you know the restoration process is not to have you restored back to where you were but it's to have you restored to where you were always meant to be so we get them focused off of the storm and get them focused on the hope of that there's a better day and and there's going to be restoration that you don't understand today but it's gonna be better than the situation that you're in today so we help them focus on that and so you know we uh you know, we pray with people a lot wherever we go. And, uh, you know, there are, you know, four, you know, 48 or whatever it is, we gather people up and we pray and we, uh, you know, we just start talking about hope and just giving them encouragement. And so many families have responded to that because, you know, at that moment, they're hopeless. Yep. Yeah. Amen I got a question. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, Mike. So if you are, when you get to a location, I know you're like, well, somebody drives, somebody does this when you get to a location, do you guys both kind of know these are my tasks? These are your tasks. You kind of go your different ways or how do y'all, how do y'all do that? Yeah, absolutely. So yes. So like each of us on the team have our own deal. Um, Bill's the driving, Mike's navigating. I'm, I'm in back. I'm either navigating or I'm talking to the uh, weather service or social media, whatever that is. And then when we get on site, it's just, it's like, okay, where is the need? Um, you know, Bill may grab a chainsaw well, 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 Mike and I go and go and knock on doors and, you know, you know, see people need help. So, um, uh, uh, Bill's wife, Danielle will, will also come as well. And so she may go and try to counsel some people then or something. So it's, it's, it's just, it's kind of, I guess it's just whatever we come across is what will, okay. um, we're going to respond to. Never the same. But, uh, yeah, just, yeah. 
Was Danielle, was she like right on board right away? I mean, is it something where, because I could totally see that. I mean, as a woman, you know, she's like, she could, I'm sure she sees the need, but to begin with, you're like, you want me to, you want me to do what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, uh, she would say that she was sucked into this whole uh, tornado chasing things from the, from the very beginning. Uh, no pun intended, right? Uh, right. <laughs> but yeah, she, uh, you know, she has a heart for people and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, again, it's our mission. And so what's really interesting is that, you know, these moms who are trying to protect their kids have found themselves in a situation that, you know, they're trying to figure out how to take the next steps. Daniel is really good at just, you know, getting these moms together and talking to them and, and, and praying with them and giving them hope. And, you know, what's amazing about the most amazing thing about what we do, and this is crazy, is the relationships we've built along the way um, from families we meet in small town America to you know, families, you know, one of my favorite tornado stories is, you know, really what happened last year in Canton and Emory. You know, we met some amazing people, you know, through that whole ordeal. And uh, I mean, they're still great friends today. And um, so, you know, we really celebrate those relationships. And Daniel is really good at bringing those people together. I was trying to unmute myself. My goodness. So, guys, we have a lot of really positive feedback. A lot of people are really fired up about what you are up to. And, uh, a couple have asked how they can help out. So I'm sure there's going to be people listening to us on the podcast later, et cetera. How can people join you guys and help out in this? So uh, the first thing I would say is go to our uh, webpage, uh, stormwarriors.tv, and uh, you know learn more about what we do. Follow us on Facebook uh, at Stormwarriors TV. And uh, there's actually uh, our uh, nonprofit organization is called The Warrior's Heart. And uh, on our website, people can go to The Warrior's Heart and actually uh, fill out an application that tells us that they want to help. And uh, so, you know, we need people. We need people more than we need uh, supplies because uh, it's really the people connecting with other people that really makes the biggest difference. So, uh, and so when we, you know, get to know people wherever they're at regionally, and again, you all know that we don't know where the next disaster is going to strike. So, uh, you know, we need people in different regions that can respond and, and help and, and be part of the coordinated effort. And, and again, it's really, you know, it's somewhat about cleaning up debris and streets, but it's really about, uh, you know, being there for the people, talking to the people and helping the people through, you know, the events that they've been through and getting, getting to know them. And, you know, we feed a lot of people uh, along the way. Uh, we're prepared for that as well. But uh, that's how they get to get to know us and connect with us. So if they want to donate chainsaws and Bibles, they go to your website. <laughs> Absolutely. Excellent. Message me. And I've got a, I've got a, a you know, a, a dream list as well. So I can, I can post that. Awesome. It, it, yeah. No, and I, I really do. I, I love what you guys are doing. And I think that's, that's great for anybody that's got a strong faith background and love weather and love storms. Uh, kind of a great place to put some focus and their skills and their talents <laughs> uh, and all that kind of stuff. I, I think that's great. A, a couple questions about, about the storm warriors and either one of you can ask this my question first off is what's the what's the tv aspect of your brand when i first saw it i, I thought maybe this was a show on tv or this was uh, what's that tv aspect what are you guys looking to do there so we never know what god's up to but um in uh, 2016 the, the the brand storm warriors was birthed really because of uh, some friends that are around us that thought that 
man, there's a crazy family chasing crazy storms, doing crazy stuff. <laughs> this, this ought to be a show, right? You know, and it was partially about, it began partially about tornadoes and, and tornado chasing. But, you know, we learned over uh, just a uh, very few months as they shot the pilot for a potential show that, you know, this is really more about the stories of the people that we meet. Uh, you know, it's again, it's fascinating, you know, when you meet people and you get to hear about their storm stories, not just what happened to them in the physical, but what they're going through also in the, you know, the spiritual or the relational or whatever it is. And so, mm -hmm. um, so they've shot a pilot and, uh, you know, they're out there, uh, marketing the pilot and got it. We'll see where that goes. Is so, you think any, any of the, uh, uh, stories will also be like follow up year later too late. So do you guys get the opportunity mm -hmm. to follow up with folks? Yes. Uh, we, uh, in fact, you know, a lot of people that follow us are people that we've met, uh, in, in many communities. Uh, they, uh, uh, they know us and, and because we've been there when they needed us. And so a lot of those people follow us. And so we go back to those communities and, you know, we'll go to a Dairy Queen or whatever and, you know, meet some of the people there. Or, uh, we stay in touch. We're on the phone. Daniel's on the phone with people every day that we've met, uh, you know, really in the last five years. And, you know, and our daughter, Corey, uh, who, you know, she's 18 years old, but very mature in her, in her age. And, and she, she's met a lot of people, uh, you know, kids from, you know, 16 to 25 that kind of follow her. Uh, because she's in that, uh, you know, that age group and those millennials. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you. Gosh darn millennials. We're just a few years ahead of that. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you guys got, here's my point. You guys got a very sharp looking uh, brand. Thank you. That you've created. So is that, you talked a little bit about this earlier, Bill, but is that a self finance project or have you guys gotten some grants or corporate help? Uh, in creating the brand and the truck and the, all this stuff you guys have. Yeah. So we have, uh, again, we have some people around us that uh, really believe in uh, what we're doing and they want to support that. And they think, you know, really to support the ministry side, the restoration side is to, you know, use a show potentially to create an economic engine uh, mm -hmm. you know, to fund, you know, for years um, and, and to grow the organization to really help more people. And, uh, you know, it takes, uh, you know, it just takes resources. And, and um, yeah. so that's, that's the dream is to create the, create those economics. And, and I may have missed this. Who's picking up, who's doing your pilot? Uh, so there's a guy uh, out of uh, South uh, Carolina. He has shot the pilot. This guy's name is Russell Lake. And uh, Russell is, uh, uh, you know, he's in, he'd been involved in the media uh, world for a long time. And, and so, you know, uh, he's actually the guy that's out there, you know, meeting with the different media organizations and having those conversations. And so we've gotten some traction, uh, but, you know, it's a chicken and egg thing. So, you know, people say, you know, we want to invest as soon as you get it on a network and networks say we want to put it on the network as soon as you've got eight to 13 episodes. So, right. you know, so we're kind of right there in that uh, trying to get that, you know, funded or, or picked up either one. There's so many diverse places that you can go. I mean, I could, I could even see there's a segment on the 700 club. Oh, yeah. I can see weather chant. I mean, I can yeah. see a whole bunch. And then just by getting your name out there, it becomes, you know, self-fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so we're just waiting for that, uh, you know, wherever that uh, opportunity, you know, comes from, we're just, we're just waiting. That's cool. Well, I'd watch. I'd, I'd watch. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, being on Stormfront Freaks podcast, you know, that's going to open you up to. Oh man. Four. I can go to right. night resting that if this is already funded, then, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Where's so my check? I thought my check bucks. was coming in the mail. Right? So so when I, when so are we going to get to see this? Yeah, we got to wait. That's that's their point, right? We got to mm -hmm. wait till someone's willing to 
well, so we, into it. So right. we have we have a pilot, and I'd love to send you the pilot and let you yeah. guys uh, let you guys. I love that. So oh, we, yeah, really cool. when we did the uh, the release of the pilot, we had about 250 people show up for it, and they laughed when they were supposed to laugh. They cried when they were supposed to cry. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. they all they all wanted more. You know, and so wow. really, uh, there we go. It was good. Ours yeah. is the opposite on our show. So last question, Mike, I'm going to ask you now in, in your experience now uh, working storm warriors with the whole chasing and the um, kind of recovery aspect. Tell me in your experience so far, what's, what's the worst scene that you've seen and the, and the best recovery story you've come across? Oh goodness. I think, um, April, was it 2014, Bill, or 2015, uh, Mayflower tornado? Yeah. Um, we were we were actually on it um, before it went into Mayflower through a little town called Perrin. And we pulled off of it then just because of all the devastation there. So just seeing that, um, saw uh, saw a guy come out of his house all bloodied, um, you know, was was just, just being there uh, fortunately, I, I was not in Moore on the 20th. I was about an hour and a half uh, south of there in 2013. Uh, so I, I haven't seen the EF5. Damn, I really, honestly, I'm a storm tracer. I don't want to see one. I seriously do not want to see one. Right. Um, but that was probably the most devastating. Um, and then the other part of your question was... Was was, was, was maybe the best recovery story that you've mm -hmm. seen? Um, I think when we went down to Rockport... Um, um, after Hurricane Harvey on the Texas coast, um, just seeing this community that more or less, um, I don't want to say they were forgotten in the media, but they kind of were forgotten because of Houston, because of all the issues uh -huh. that Houston had. Yeah, um, sure. And just being down there and seeing how the people responded to you coming to help. And we were able to help, um, uh, help a really kind woman who had a, uh, um, a small RV park that was completely decimated to clear out um, several of her spaces and, and help her clear out her house as well so that she could start getting people back in there. And actually FEMA rented her trailer park. So she was able to start getting some money. Against. Oh, no way. Wow. All right, Bill, Bill, tell us uh, how people can follow you guys, your social media accounts and things like that. Yeah, real quick. Uh, Facebook, a lot of people like to follow us on Facebook because uh, you know, we do a lot of Facebook lives and, uh, do a lot of warning there and you know we do some cool funny stuff too and they get to know the team uh in the family and so uh, we also post when we do live streaming so we have a you know we call them the groupies that follow us on our live streaming which is pretty cool uh, and then the the website uh stormwarriors.tv they can uh, go there and, and see a lot of uh, cool uh, videos pictures and so on so or you can call mike on his personal cell phone number which is um no <laughs> mute, mute, mute. he's going there he's going there. hey mike what does that say above your doorway i can't read it from here uh as for me and my house we will serve the lord samuel baby there you go yeah that's awesome i love it all right well hey it's time for our lightning round this is our game show of shocking questions for our guests Gosh. not always shocking but it's always fun we always invite everybody to play along and tonight, uh, we're going to play what we're calling head-to-head -head and match the freaks. So, so it's kind of two names to it. But here's the goal. We're going to pit Mike against Bill. So it's head-to-head. You're going down, Bill. Yeah. And so here's – and, and we're going to keep track of points. We, I don't know how we'll keep track, but we'll figure this out as we go along. And your goal is to not only get the correct answer, but then also match as many of the freak co-hosts as that, uh, that you can. Okay. Wow. 
So the co-hosts, it's up to them to write down what they think the answer is, uh, and then they'll show and, and share what that is. We'll see what we can match. So here's... Don't choose me because I said Samuel. It's really Joshua. So well, already, you guys are all. Well, I agree with you. So yeah, who <laughs> knows what I'm going to do here? All, all, all of you have to do this. So so here's what we're doing. This is uh, I'm going to ask you guys. This is from Thrillist.com. Their most iconic restaurants in every state. So we're going to take Tornado Alley. Okay. All right, and we and I'm I'm calling Tornado Alley. I think you, you got to identify what Tornado Alley is because. Mm -hmm. Everybody says something different. So here are the eight states. That it's just going to be all subs and all of them. <laughs> <laughs> here are the eight states. Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas, Colorado, Nebraska, Illinois, and Iowa. So those are the eight states. Mm -hmm. So here's, here's I'm going to start it off. Um, I'm going to tell you the restaurant, the most iconic restaurant in this state. And then it's up to you to tell me what state this restaurant is in all right okay. and you guys talked about you're feeding people all the time so you should get this right not in restaurant right. so here, yeah. here we go first <laughs> first one first one i'm going to tell you what it is and i'm going to tell you what their specialty is the freaks will have a, a quick little bit of time to write down the state they think it's at and mm -hmm. then i'll go to go to bill and go to mike you can tell me what you think it is okay so state uh restaurant number one it's called the buckhorn exchange and they specialize in giant portions of steak and other wild game. All right, so we got to figure out what state this is. So, uh, co-hosts, go ahead and write down what you think your answer might be. And it's from, um, and it's from Texas to Nebraska. You said. Uh, yeah, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas, Colorado, oh, Nebraska, sorry. Illinois, or Iowa. What's the name of the place again? So basically, just think Tornado Alley. It's Buckhorn Exchange. Giant portions of steak and other wild game. Hmm. Uh, Bill, I'm going to start with you. What do you? Th what state do you think it's in? So I think it's Nebraska. Nebraska. Okay. And Mike, what do you say? I was going to say Nebraska, but I'll say to be different. I'll say Colorado. Colorado. Okay. The correct answer is Colorado. So Mike, Ooh. you you uh, you start off with a point, right. and let's see if you match anybody. So go ahead. Uh, I'm going to start Brady with you. What'd you pick? Iowa. Iowa, you All right, Sander. Know, Sander what you got? What's He's it got say? Colorado. He's got Colorado, oh. so that's a match. So two points for Mike. Maz? I went Kansas. Kansas, that would be incorrect. And MJ, what'd you pick? I'm not playing because I'm trying to get the video. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, so yes, minus one. Colorado, I picked. Minus yeah, one for MJ. Yeah. All right, so we got so Mike's got two. Next next restaurant, it's called Gene and Jude's. Gene and Jude's, their specialty is hot dogs piled high. We got to figure out what uh, Tornado Alley state that might be in. So co-hosts, uh, go ahead and write down what you think. Can imagine uh, having that and then an eight-hour drive afterwards. That'd yeah. be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Gene and Jude's hot dogs piled high. Uh, let's go ahead, Mike. We're going to start with you this time. What state do you think that's in? Uh, I'll say Iowa. He's going to say Iowa and Bill. South Dakota. Uh, South Dakota. I'll tell. I'll give you a heads up. South Dakota was not one of the states, so I'll, I'll let you pick Ooh, another one. Minus ten. Something's wrong. Yeah. Ouch. Um, gosh. Kansas. Kansas. Okay. Well, both of you would be wrong. It's actually in River Grove, Illinois. So you got to think uh, Chicago, uh, Chicago yeah. style hot dogs. Well, I was going to say, yeah, Chicago. Yeah. A little bit like that. But uh, so, so we're, we're going to bypass that because no one matched. We're going to go to the third one. 
is called Northwestern Steakhouse. Now, here's the thing. You're in Tornado Alley, and a lot of these places are steak places. But uh, surprising, right? Northwestern Steakhouse. But here's their specialty. It's Greek-style steaks. Greek-style steaks. Now, I, honestly, I don't think that's going to give away what state it is. What does that is mean? Unique. What's a Greek-style right. steak? Northwestern Steakhouse. Think about it. Co-host, write it down. What state in Tornado Alley do you think that's from? Again, we got Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas, Colorado, Nebraska, Illinois, or Iowa. And uh, we're going to go ahead. Bill, I'm going to start with you. Northwestern Steakhouse, famous for their Greek-style steaks. Where's that at? Iowa. He's going to say Iowa. Mike, what do you say? I'll say Nebraska. He's going to say Nebraska. The correct answer is Iowa. Bill, you are correct. Oh. Boom. So Bill, Bill's got a point. Let's check out our, our matches. I'm going to go, Santa. I'm going to start with you. What'd you pick? I picked Liowa. But I don't know, and I really wrote that on the last one, but I'm too lazy to write another state, so it's, it's definitely Iowa. <laughs> I don't get it. Collusion. Liowa. Uh, okay. Just I'm, trust I'm, me. I'm, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give it to you, so that's another point for Bill. Uh, Maz, what'd you pick? I think Liowa is what he's doing, but... Uh, yeah, I would agree. You know, I would agree. I, I said Missouri, but... Uh, Missouri, and that would be uh, incorrect. <clears throat> and Brady will finish with you. What'd you have? Iowa. Yay. Yeah, very good. All right. Three. So Bill's leading three to two. Going to the next one. It's called the Cozy Inn. The Cozy Inn is famous for their sliders. Their sliders. So we got to figure out what state the Cozy Inn might be in. Uh, they are famous for their sliders. It is not White Castle. It is the Cozy Inn. Uh, and let's do this. Let's go. We're going to go with Mike first. What state is the Cozy Inn? Uh, I'll try Nebraska again. He's going to say Nebraska. Okay, and I'm going to go next to Bill. Bill, what would you say? The great state of Kansas. He's going to say Kansas, and the correct answer is Kansas. Yeah. Uh, Bill's got another yes. one. I think he's so Googling I'm, it. I'm, I'm going to go. Hot <laughs> cheater. I'm going to go to Maz. Maz, what'd you pick? See if you match. Kansas. 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 There's Kansas. There's a match. Wow. All right, yeah. Brady. Texas. Uh, not Texas. Sorry. And Santer, Santer's cheating already. I can tell no, he's writing no, something definitely now. Is. No, I, I had Oklahoma, but I said not Oklahoma. No, no. So Lexus? Texas, not <laughs> is it Lexus? Is that is what it you said? <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma? All right, next one. So Bill's leading five to two. Next one is called Arthur Bryant's. Arthur Bryant's is famous for their slow-cooked barbecue. Arthur Bryant's. Yeah, cheater, cheater, cheater. Guys, I know where this is at. It's amazing. Hey, this, it's the you best. You guys are supposed to be strong and fake. Well, let's keep this, <laughs> keep this fair, right? So uh, Arthur Bryant's famous for their slow-cooked barbecue. Uh, I, Bill, I'm going to go to you this time. What you? What do you say? Yeah, so it's got to be Nebraska. He's going to say Nebraska. And uh, what do you say, Mike? Um, I'll say Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Correct answer is Missouri. They're in Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> Uh, so neither one of you get a point. We're going to move on to the next one, which is the Drover Restaurant and Lounge. The Drover Restaurant and, and Lounge is famous for their whiskey steaks. Famous for their whiskey steaks. Uh, Mike, let's start with you. What state is the Drover Restaurant and Lounge? Texas. going to say Texas. And Bill, what do you say? Uh, Iowa. going to say Iowa. Correct answer is Nebraska. It's in Maz's backyard, oh. right? Omaha, Nebraska. Maz. Omaha, Maz. 
Did you get drover. this right? You better have got this right, Mass. I don't even know where that is. I, I mean, yeah. I'm from Oklahoma. Nebraska? Oh, my gosh. I put Oklahoma. I don't know. We, we just oh, lost man. all of our Nebraska listeners. Oh, man. We <laughs> on that one. All right. Last two. We got two left. Next one is Cattleman's Steakhouse. Oh, the cattle, Cattleman's Steakhouse is famous for their ribeye steaks for dinner and breakfast. You can go have steak for breakfast if you'd like. Uh, Cattleman's Steakhouse, and I'm going to. Uh, are there repeats? Repeat states? No, no. These are all okay. one. It's okay. the most iconic restaurant in the state, as a, as as reported by Thrillist, not by me. All right. So Cattleman's Steakhouse. Uh, I forgot who I started with. So Mike, I'll go with you first. Uh, we'll try Texas again. Is it Texas? God, you live in Texas. Okay. I know. I, and I, Bill? I thought the drover was there. <laughs> So it's in the great state of um, Amarillo. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not familiar with that state. So are you saying Texas? Yes. He's saying Texas. Okay. Uh, correct answer is Oklahoma. <laughs> Apparently it's in Oklahoma so it's, so it's City, Texas. Oklahoma. Santa, what did you, you say on that one, by the way? I said Oklahoma, and I said it's way overrated. It's not actually that good. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's wow. way better steakhouses in Oklahoma. Those are sponsored. Thanks. <laughs> I can bypass that steak, plug. Yeah. All right, last one. Last one. It's called Salt Lick. Salt Lick, famous for their smoking pit brisket. Uh, this is Salt Lick, is the name of the restaurant. Phil, and isn't there is... only one option left? There is only one option left. Only one state left. <laughs> uh, so, Bill, but I'm going to. Can you remember you. which one? Bill? So, Texas. Yeah. You're going to say Texas. Okay. Mike, what I'm do gonna, you say? I'm going to go out on a ledge here and I'm going to call a friend. <laughs> I'll say I'll Texas. Friends. And you're yeah, going to say Texas. Not anymore. The correct answer is Texas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The salt, salt lick is in Driftwood, Texas. You both get a point. Let's go down the. the Brady, what'd you have? Uh, I lost it. Just uh, just Texas. Yeah, Texas. <laughs> yeah. So you both could appoint Santa. What'd you say? He I drew said Texas. <laughs> All right, and I Matt, could say something. Say? Texas. Texas. <laughs> All right. So by my calculations, Bill wins nine to six. Nice. Right. Good job, Mike, letting Bill win. I, I saw yeah. what you did. Well, Bill, yeah. I, you know what you get? You get this scary cat with a sombrero. That's what you, <laughs> oh my God. you had your cat stuff? <laughs> Not a cat. Put that on the dash of my truck. Oh. Yay. Who stuffs a cat? That it's not. It, this isn't a stuffed cat. It's a fake cat. It isn't a real cat. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, All right. Well, hey, uh, th thanks for playing along with us, guys. That was fun. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. Our podcast listeners get to hear the latest edition of the Titans U Minute with Chris Sanner. Uh, but stay right here. We'll be back to discuss if organizations and chasers should do more, like Bill and Mike have, to equip themselves to deal with recovery efforts after the storm. And now it's time for the Titan U Minute with Chris Sanner. When it comes to what types of weather models are out there, that could be a trick question. All weather models are computer programs that are ran to predict the weather. But when we talk about types of weather models, we are talking about what they're looking to predict. Weather models can be run globally or regionally at broad or fine resolutions. And depending on how they are initialized, you can get more accurate or more broad brush results. Where a model is run is what we call the model domain. When it comes to domains, there are typically two types of models, global models and regional models. 
Global models are what they say they are. They cover the entire Earth and model the weather for the entire globe. Examples of this you may use include the GFS and ECMWF, or the Euro for short. Regional models, on the other hand, are ran over a smaller area than a global model. An example of a regional model includes the NAM and the various WERFs in existence today. Models also are ran at certain grid boxes that range from something like 12 kilometers to even as small as one kilometer, like with the one kilometer NAM. Typically, the higher resolution models are only ran on a very regional level, as the computational power needed to model the atmosphere at such fine scales is, understandably, immense. So, weather models can be classified by where they model, or their domain, and how fine the detail is, or the resolution. You would use each type of model for different situations, and typically the finer the detail on a model, the less time into the future it will run, just as one pro tip. So for instance, a model with a 12 kilometer resolution might be useful to look at details of weather events days away, while a one kilometer model might be useful in a more short term situation where storms are either about to happen or are ongoing. Typical global models will run out to 10 to 15 days into the future, while regional models will be smaller in scale from just a few hours to a few days. The other general rule is that the bigger the grid point and land area a model covers, the fewer times a model will run in a day. High resolution regional models may run each hour, while lower resolution global models may only run a couple to four times a day. Hey, we've got a lot of really cool things going on at TornadoTitans.com. From new wild weather episodes every Tuesday to new Titan U content and more. It's just really a good time. So visit us at TornadoTitans.com. Also, find us on social media. Simply search Tornado Titans. We'll see you next time. All right, welcome back, everybody. You know, after talking with Bill and Mike, it certainly would make sense for every storm chaser, scientist, power company employee, and county highway worker that's in the vicinity of storm damage, uh, that they should all be trained to be able to help uh, when they come across that. But, and I certainly, I think, I, I would hope that everybody would want to help a fellow human being, but sometimes there's that scenario of if there's no training, someone could actually cause more harm if they really don't know what they're doing or, or they act too soon. So let, let, let me point that out a little bit. And, and Bill, I know you've got some things to say about that. What, what's your thought on the general nature of how everybody should act when they work or are in and around storms and the damage that causes? So a couple of thoughts. One is I think that uh, everybody needs to follow their heart. You know, if they're out there storm chasing and getting videos and pictures and all that, I mean, that that's great. That's wonderful. Um, the other side of that is, you know, I really feel like, or we feel like is that, you know, all of us are really the first responder. In other words, we, we never know when there's going to be an accident or there's going to be a disaster or something's going to happen where, you know, with some training and it doesn't take a lot of training, but with some training, we can save somebody's life. And so, um, you know, I think we all need to prepare ourselves for a, a situation like that. So we always talk about, we train, you know, first of all, keep yourself safe because if you're safe then you can help somebody else in their greatest time of need. So we encourage people uh, to get trained. If it's just basic CPR, you know, AED, first aid or whatever, whatever that is, 
And then the second thing, obviously, in a disaster is, you know, you got to know your surroundings. You got to know how to work through a, you know, a disaster situation. You just can't get out of the truck, you know, and go walk into a disaster environment without some level of training. And there's a lot of places to go get that training. Um, the other thing I would say is that a lot of people do worry about litigation. They worry about, uh, you know, well, you know, somebody's going to sue me if I go help. But every state, and most of these states reciprocal, have good Samaritan laws that uh, uh, prevent you from being sued because you went and did the right thing. So doing the right thing for the right reasons and helping somebody, you do have some protection uh, over that. And so, you know, everybody just needs to, you know, know that and, and rest in that because, you know, we've seen situations where emergency management personnel you know, they can't because they can't get there or whatever, you know, they didn't show up for 45 minutes to an hour later. Um, and so, you know, somebody needs to, you know, render aid. Yeah. Even if you don't uh, have first aid experience or aren't trained in that, you have a phone, you can call 911, you can sit with the person, you can try to comfort them, you can do what you can. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just like Bill said, I think, um, I almost think it's our obligation to at least have the minimum amount of training so that we can help somebody because most of the time you're going to be the first person there if you're chasing the storm. Yeah. So what do you guys think is stopping people from getting that training? Do you think it's, it's just lack of knowledge that they can get this training or like what's, what's stopping people from going out and getting this training? Well, again, I, you know, I always go back to, you know, you got to follow your heart and I, completely understand the motivation and the adrenaline of staying on the storm. I, mean, I did that for a number of years until 1999, which changed uh, what I did and why I did it. Um, so I, I think the motivation is to stay on the storm because that's what they, you know, that's what they, that's what chasers do. And I get yeah. that. I totally understand it. And I have no, um, you know, I, I say nothing bad about any chaser that, that continues to follow the storm that, you know, that's not my place, but you know, for those that want to take that next step, and uh, be able to get some training to render aid. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, listen, listen, we all have maybe that one opportunity where we're going to get to save somebody's life. And, and you may be that person at that time that changes that. And so I just want, I would like for everybody just to get some level of training to be able to do that in every community. And it's not just the chaser community. It's really in every community. We need to be prepared. Yeah. So Stan, there, there's an article in the Wichita Eagle by Stan Finger uh, called Storm Chasers Ponder, Should You Help When a Storm Hits? And, and he was talking with um, uh, actually a doctor, Jason Persoff, who said there's absolutely no requirement that people render aid. Uh, this is a doctor and an avid storm chaser. He says there's no law that says you have a duty to act. Uh, he goes on to say... One of the most dangerous situations is a compulsion to rescue. Uh, people who aren't properly trained in search and rescue tactics can do more harm than good, resulting in still more casualties. Uh, he said a good rescue involves slowing down. He said, I like to say, don't just do something, stand there. He said, you take a survey of the situation and you begin to think, how are we going to proceed? But the whole article, I think, finishes with, uh, him mentioning, if the storm isn't still going, would you stop and help? And if the answer is yes, and I believe ethically you should stop and help, uh, even if the storm is still active as it moves on. I think corporations should want to have their people trained. Let's say it's a power company, have them trained, but then let them know, we're not telling you you have to render 
but you know, feel free if that's something you want. I think that may actually help with the legal side of things. I'm not an attorney, although I played one on TV once. Oh, and, um, poorly, yeah. by the way. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying? Where I think everybody then has the opportunity to make that a better decision on what they can and can't do. Well, yeah. I think part of the education that that Bill and and Mike are talking about. Also, I think you need to look at, at not just educating yourself maybe on how to render first aid and do those things, but maybe educate yourself. If I am a, a public county employee and, and my job duty is to take this um, hauler and, and get this tree out of the way of the road, if I come across a scenario where I see somebody and I'm not first aid trained, but am I trained to go, what can I do? I mean, what what am I in a position to do? And things like Again, in another article by uh, Stan Finger in that Wichita Eagle, uh, where he's talking about the same scenario of storm chasers, should they help not chase? But what can I do? You know, one of the things that was brought up was, hey, carry a can of spray paint so you can put addresses of destroyed houses or buildings on the driveway or street so they're better visible, um, you know, by the first responders or, or anybody else that might be coming. Mike probably brought up the most important part which uh, one of our former guests, Jeff Petrowski, mentioned, which is you're, you're one of your biggest tools if you're a storm chaser or you count, you're one of the first people to respond and you're not trained medically, is your phone. To get on your phone and report that and where it is to the authorities so they can get there faster and get there quicker. I think anybody can get a, a basic level of training. The Red Cross offers it. CPR, AED training or whatever. Um, if anything, CPR training, I have a family. I, I've always, I've wanted to know how to do it. And so even before I was storm chasing, I knew how to do CPR in case one of my kids was choking or something happened at home. It's like, but you know, that's a very basic level, but even that could save a life when you're out there. Yeah. What, what Bill, what are some of the things you're out there as part of your program that you're trying to teach and educate? Well, so if we're in a, in a school, for example, we do a lot of what we call STEMS programs, science, technology, engineering, math. So we teach, you know, kids really about weather through the process of, of, of engineering. And really the whole focus of that is really, you know, we, we tell people to be a storm warrior. You got to do two things. Number one, you got to know where your safe place is. And so we talk about what that what that looks like in your home. And it's amazing how many kids don't know where their safe place is. And the second part of that is that you got to have a go bag. You got to be able to grab your go bag, have all the essential uh, tools and items in there to go to your safe place because a lot of people get hurt and injured after the storm. And so we talk about that, for example, a whistle. So if we're doing search and rescue, we hear a whistle. Where are we going to go first? We're going to go to the whistle. And so we talk about those kind of things. You know, when it comes to uh, like, you know, cert training that we that we do or or uh, volunteer fire departments or whatever, we give them weather uh, uh, information, you know. Uh, so we've done Skyward uh, training. We've been asked to be a part of that. Uh, so we go a little deeper when we uh, when we when we train uh, kind of weather the characteristics of weather and again it's really about this we're not trying to create more storm chasers that's that's not what we're trying to do we're trying to help these people that are first responders understand what's happening in the storm so number one they can keep themselves safe you know again if they become you know a victim then you know they've just multiplied the problem so we want them to learn how to keep themselves safe so they can go help other people. And so many people don't, you know, so you take a volunteer fire department, you know, in a small community, you know, they send all the trucks out to the four corners of the, the county and, you know, they're sitting there and they're on the radio and they're like, 
um, hey, there's a cloud coming our way, but I have no idea what this thing's doing. Should we sound the alarms? And so, you know, these guys are just trying to figure it out too. We just want them to have more uh, awareness. And so, and let me just say this. So when we make that statement that nobody should die from a tornado, I know that's a, you know, for a lot of people, that's a hard statement to, to make and to hear, but I don't know what else the goal should be. You know, is it 10 or 15 or is it 20? But I, I just, I just believe that with the technology that we have today, with the weather education that's available today with, um, you know, the apps that are out there, you know, National Weather Service, the SBC, so on and so forth. You know, we all have enough information to make better decisions about our day. And, and if we do that and have a safe place to go and, and are able to make, understand what weather's doing, you know, we can keep our families safe. And that's really the main thing that we're trying to do in our trainings to help families stay yeah. safe. That's cool. How many times, Bill, have we gone 12 hours across the country and because we know there's going to be storms there and the people who live there are like, what is it supposed to rain today? And they have no clue. And it's like, well, wow. we knew a week ago that we were going to be in Kansas, you know? Wow. Right? Yeah. So El, El Reno, Oklahoma, right? So, uh, you know, PDS day, we're, you know, we're out there, we're, we pull up and do a restaurant and, you know, all these people come outside and say, you know, why are you guys here? Is it you know, supposed to be stormy today? And it's like, you are right there in wow. the target of and, you know, and they, people just don't know. And it's just like, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do is help people get more education and be better prepared because, you know, it's going to happen again. Wow. So, well, you go ahead, Phil. Well, I was going to say, so, if, so if I'm, I'm a chaser and I'm, I'm not, okay. I haven't gotten say my first aid training. Um, chainsaws scare the crap out of me. <laughs> what, what, what are things that I can just stock in the back of my civic, right? That, that are simple, that if I do come across a scenario where help is needed or aid is needed, that would be, these are items that are first, I need this. Okay. A, a family that needs help. What, what might those items be? If it's a civic, probably not much. Right? No. <laughs> no, but that's a good point, right? What, yeah. what are the simple little things that I can have in the back of my car? So what a lot of people need when they've just gone through a, um, a life-changing event is they just need warmth blankets, uh, flashlights, uh, you know, maybe water or, you know, just, water. Yep. Yep, just, just, you know, so, you know, what, you know, and I've seen this happen. I've seen chasers do this, um, you know, where they've just had people come and sit inside their truck. They put blankets on them. They give them water and they're talking to them about, you know, the storm, the worst part of the storm is over and just talking to them and just being there for them, you know, really helps a lot of these families. You know, when you got little kids that are sitting there, uh, they're scared, and, uh, you know, there's still lightning going on and it's still maybe raining and the, you know, the worst part of the storm is gone, but they don't know that. And so, you know, we all have the, the opportunity uh, to do that and, and just render aid with love. Yeah. So, so I guess my question is for Chris um, and really Bill and Mark as well, or Bill and Mike as well. Um, so in the storm chaser community, like what percentage would you say people that you know, we'll keep driving or, you know, is, is there a lot of people like you guys, or I'm just trying to understand, you know, what's the makeup of the storm chaser community in terms of, um, you know, chasing and stopping maybe to help people. Yeah. I'm leaving that alone. Y'all <laughs> <y> go. <laughs> I'm just curious. I don't I'm just curious. I really don't know, but yeah. you know, again, as I said before, you know, I, I'm, there's no condemnation here on any of those guys, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I just, I just, I'm just. No, curious, I don't. You know? I, I yeah. really, I really don't know. Um, I, you know, I, I just don't. Okay. Well, yeah. along with that, you guys can answer, but I'll, I will preface this with saying one of the articles that I mentioned 
they talked about, hey, not everyone's going to be comfortable dealing with injured victims. Exactly. Um, and and the person they were talking to said at, at least they can keep, like like Bill talked about, at least they can maybe keep drinking water or blankets in their vehicles for victims. Or as Mike mentioned, just get on the phone, right, and, and yeah. call it in. So that that's you're you're one of the first ones responding, which is calling it into the people that are more trained to help it out. But Chris, what what do you got? Oh, I was just going to say, uh, there's a lot of guys that'll keep driving. Uh, some some are very selfish for sure. I mean, that's just that's the nature of humanity. Yeah. Uh, there there are some that are very selfless, but stupidly selfless, if that makes sense. Where they'll <laughs> drive into a damage area, no training whatsoever, don't know what they're doing, and they'll just go barge in the houses trying to help people and not realizing that there's going to be someone in Texas or Oklahoma, you're someone's going to be busting down your door and you're going to get a shotgun. Wow. You know? I mean, stuff like that. I mean, there's disaster zones. People are out of their mind <laughs> after disaster. Yeah. That's just how it works. Uh, for me personally, uh, with, with doing the TV thing, it's changed a lot of what I do. My That's job, right. my job doing TV is delivering information on what the storm is doing. So as soon as we are out on TV or I get other instructions those things change. I mean, yeah. uh, we obviously have an extreme uh, desire to help our community as much as possible. But TV, we're delivering information. That's how we uh, do that part for the very, you know, for the time the storm's going. But exactly. uh, the thing I would say, if you're a storm chaser and you don't have the training, go get the training that you need. Uh, search and rescue type of thing, CPR, etc. You need to know what you're doing if you're going to go barging in. Because there are a lot of guys over the years who have gone into damage areas who have stepped over live wires, not knowing what they're doing, not knowing that live wires are uh, a little active, mm -hmm. barging into homes, not realizing what you're doing. Someone, you know, <laughs> you think you're helping another person says, oh God, there's a looter coming into my home <laughs> right now. Yeah, I mean, so you, you, you just, you gotta, you need to have a little bit of training before you Common can do that sense, stuff. Yeah. So, cause uh, especially the, you know, ideally you'd have 500 storm chasers, well-trained, descending into a town, knowing how to work through incident command, knowing how everything works and the system works. And it's just like this most flawless search and rescue effort ever. <laughs> in reality, if every storm chaser today did that, it would be the most chaotic mess. In the world. <laughs> so we, we definitely need, we got some work to do there for sure. Well, good. Well, hey, we want, uh, if you're listening, let us know what you guys think on this subject. You can always email us at questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or uh, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook and tag us your thoughts so we can share that on the next show. We're going to take our final break. Rest of you can refill your drinks. When we come back, it's time to learn about some great WX resources and find out who made this episode's legendary weather fools. You're listening to Emmy Award-winning Jeff Petrosky on the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Hey, and we're back. Welcome back. It's time now for weather resources, cool places you can find weather stuff and it's just, and now all this stuff is brand new tonight too, so it's not from any previous episode. Sandman, you got something cool for us. What do you have? Okay, guys, I'm actually just going to be self-serving tonight because apparently no one else was wanted to share a great resource. So I'll just share the one I have been making for like 
the last six years or so. Oh, that's and, not new, actually. Matt, oh, okay. Matt set us up by saying it's new. Oh, it's, oh well, no, this is oh. new. This, this, this course in particular is new. I'll just say oh, that. Well, so, that okay. Yeah, Hitchhiker's yeah. Guide to Weather that Models. Counts. We're doing a br abbreviated version in the show right now in the Titan U Minute, so you probably just heard a little bit of it. But we have this one, and we, I have some more modeling courses coming up this next week and a lot more to come and yeah we're just doing a lot of different things when it comes to uh i guess creating wx resources so if you haven't yet done it you should check out our youtube channel tornado titans you won't be sorry so there self-serving <laughs> so what what's the link for that particular uh, hitchhiker's guide to models or what oh oh geez that's uh just do a YouTube where do people search go or, yeah find it in the show notes do a youtube search for it uh find us uh, subscribe to our channel you'll find it in any of those places so you can do it tor you can do it youtube.com slash tornado titans com unfortunately for some reason tornado titans was taken and a bunch of <laughs> others so that's the one we ended up using for our okay. channel name so all right so you just Confuse the hell out of everybody <laughs> yeah, i know by giving them five different options to pick from i, I mean you could go ahead sorry oh go ahead <laughs> i'm actually fascinated though like so it's it's a course actually teaching people like how to use weather models how to you know predict the weather from the weather models what to read what to look this, for this one in particular is about a kind of an overview this is geared towards storm chasers but it's okay. kind of an overview kind of uh here's how you should approach models not a in yeah. and out of like what the yeah. 500 chart or something like that but yeah. like the theoretical like this is where models fit within your forecast this is yeah. how you should place them and that's you know really that cool. sort of thing so because yeah. i i'm an old school kind of person because i just started chasing crap this is my 17th year chasing now so mm. uh so at that so i just kind of have models in this place where i'm like okay yeah you can come in now and we'll talk to you <laughs> but otherwise i'm still looking at observations <laughs> and stuff to start yeah. kind of creepy you're kind of that creepy guy that invites yeah. the models to... yeah exactly oh, yeah. yeah exactly i mean but, but seriously not, I, I think I think I think it's a great idea though, like because I think you know in school we were never really. I mean, we were taught you know what to look for at the models, but it, it wasn't it was never you know specific to storm chasing and and thunderstorms and stuff like that. So I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah, so. for sure. Thanks, Brady. No problem. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brady, you got one too. What? Wait, what? Don't you have? Just kidding. No, I have one. Okay. No, I have one. All right. All right. So my weather resource, let's see. Uh, not, I did not go to Penn state. Unfortunately. Um, I was there for an internship one summer. Unfortunately was... you're saying, well, unfortunately, okay. Mr. Ohio state. No. Okay. Wow. I'm just saying, unfor like, not that it's unfortunate that I didn't go there. It's just unfortunate that I wasn't there. I don't know. Whatever. Dr. Hopgood on let's line one. On. That's let's right. Pick it apart. No my grammar here. All right. Let's take a look at this weather resource. Gosh. So we have, um, this is basically a panel with a bunch of different models. You have the NSEP model. Uh, you have the GFS model. Um, what, what's have... this called first? What you, you just like jumped okay, into so, saying what's on sorry, my whatever it's this called page the is. The electric, the electric map wall. Uh, it's come. It comes from Penn State. Um, it, it's just a really cool way to visualize a bunch of different models. Um, so I mean, here, right here, basically, this is uh, like six-hour precip, and it's just a bunch of. A bunch of models in one area they can go quickly and see these are you know the previous runs and everything so it's really cool really cool check it out it's uh at just just google ewall penn state weather and you'll uh it'll be the first option that comes up i've actually not been there it's really cool i mean there's a that there's a new. bunch of different there's a bunch of different things you can look at on here so that is gfs cool. 500 mobile heights just anything model 
Go check it out. Could could they make the font any smaller? Hey, I'm like 54 here. Okay, so yeah, that's that gets a little sciency there, but exactly. okay. All right. So in case you missed any of those links, you can check it out on episode 45 show notes, and we will post those for you so you can find any of the 19 things that Sandman was talking about where you can find it. All right. All right, Brady. What do you got for weather fools? All right, guys. Well, you know, I know I say this every week or every other week since we're a bi-weekly podcast, but you know, here's here's so this is the weather fools. I know this is everyone's favorite part of the podcast. What is weather fools? You may ask. Weather fools is where us as the Stormfront freaks are out on the internet looking for something funny, looking for something silly that has to do with weather, whether that be a YouTube video, whether that be someone, you know, posted a stupid thing on Twitter, some outrageous snowmageddon forecast or anything like that. Um, and we're bringing it to you here. So I think, Phil, you got a weather fool. What's your weather fool this week? Uh, I do have a weather fool uh, to share with you guys. This is uh, comes direct from Twitter. Uh, this is from Matt Benz. He's at Matt Benz Weather. And he posted a tweet that said, New Year's Day tradition on the Mississippi near Red Wing, which is in Minnesota. This is a yearly tradition for the local ski club. Some even went barefoot. Ouch. And so what it's showing is uh, some pictures of the ski club. I don't know if they're from Red Wing, Minnesota, or where they're from. But they're out on uh, motorboats and water skis, and they're skiing in the ice, in the, in the water, in the river, and they're in <laughs> wetsuits. <laughs> and I don't care how many wetsuits they have on. That's got to be butt cold. That's cold. To be ice skiing in ice water, uh, and even doing it barefoot—that's pretty crazy. Well, so barefoot with ice is like, like let's throw some crushed glass out. They're there. gonna break yeah. a leg. I mean, don't you think they'd break a leg on some of those ice chunks that are on the what? river? Well, it's it's interesting because being up know. here in Minnesota, I've seen this uh, these clips and things of them doing it, and <clears throat> usually it's like wide open water uh, because there's power plants and things like that that warm up the water. And uh, but that picture looks scary. <laughs> That's, that looks just plain scary. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, here's the thing. I get it. I mean, they're out thrill seeking and I, you know, I get that part. So I don't, I don't necessarily want to say that they're weather fools, but wow, that's certainly not something I would be doing uh, in, in that kind of weather. They're weather questionable. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's Very true. I mean, what happens if they fall? Like they're gonna fall on a sh- on a sheet or a jagged piece of ice, and and that's it. You know, I mean, they're they're no more. Anyway, don't do this at home. Is the disclaimer on that tweet? Yeah. Okay. Well, that was pretty good, Phil. You know, I I think uh, I might have to try that next weekend, but you know, <laughs> we'll see. Just need to find a boat first. All right. And, and water skis, yeah. <laughs> and water and water skis, and someone willing to drive the boat. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> All right, so my weather fool this week, it's it's not really a weather fool. Well, it is a weather fool, but it's more just this will be a heartwarming video that you uh, you can all enjoy. So this right here, this is uh, – you may have seen this video. This is a couple years ago, I think. Uh, so you have a lady. Um, it had snowed quite a lot, if you can see uh, that door. I mean, the snow was up to you yes. know her, her hips, so it was about a foot or two. And she's there, you oh, God, know, she's calling for three. something. One or two feet. Three feet. <laughs> okay. It was probably a snow drift. It was probably only a foot that fell and it drifted onto the house. Okay. Sure. Right. Okay. But, okay. So she's calling for something, right? And so she's just chilling. She's shaking something. And. What? And Boom! Oh, there it is. Oh, there's a cat. 
the cat came right through. And it didn't even it didn't right even want the, the snowdrift. Didn't even want the food. So that So so do you so you think cat. the cat tried to jump over the snowdrift and just plowed straight through it or <laughs> I think the cat. I think the cat knew what it was doing. To be honest, uh, uh, I think the cat knew exactly. Cats never know what the hell they're doing. What are you talking? about? I don't know, about, man. Dude? Look, okay, look. Here's another video of cats just playing in the snow. No, like, how okay, can you... enough of the cat. Video. Okay. Okay. okay, okay. Brady, there's two cats in one show that you've done. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And the other one, one cat video is enough. Man. So who is the, the weather fool all... there? The cat, yeah. probably, right? Uh, yeah. The, well, I think yeah. it was the lady too for opening the door and letting her and not going out and getting her cat. I think that was she was more the weather fool there. But okay. anyway, you can find the the uh, links to all the of our uh, weather fools in our show forty five show notes or forty show forty five show notes. There you go. Episode. What are you 45. drinking? Yeah. Episode forty five. Yeah. What yes. are you drinking? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I can never down. get that. I can never. I don't know why I can never get that line. I can just never nail it. But. Okay. Well, we've only been doing this for forty-five episodes. Okay, MJ. <laughs> that's uh, right. I, I want to thank everybody that's watching our recording and still found a way to find us. But uh, what do we have for listener questions? Well, first, I or will give a shout out to all of those who were uh, on the live <laughs> chat today. They had lively discussion uh, during uh, during our guests and during our discussion. So it was. Was it like why? Why you dropped them? Is that what they were talking about? Yeah, no, it was actually. I mean, it was very <laughs> They're good. all pissed off. Yes, like, exactly. Why'd you change the link on it? <laughs> oh, they were, they were great. So they oh, were persevered okay. and they were wonderful. Good but we also got some comments from folks this past uh, couple of weeks. Uh, Jorg uh, Kackelman uh, from Weather.us uh, checked in with us. Said thanks for mentioning our little at Weather.us in your excellent podcast. Uh, cheers from Switzerland. So, oh, cool! Thank you very much. Um, Must be a John John Click uh, from North Texas um, checked in with us on Podbean, and you can find our uh, all of our episodes there at Podbean. And says, uh, "Hey guys, love the show. Keep up the great work. Uh, You are all awesome." And uh, and then he really wanted us to to, uh, hear his comment because he also (laughs) sent us one through the website. That said, I love the show. Just found it a week ago. So having to binge listen to catch up, just uh, what I've been looking for. Very interesting as well as educational. So thank you, John. John hasn't slept in like three days now, right? That's right. <laughs> All forty-four episodes up to up to that. I point. love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, and finally, our, our our friend Warren Madden uh, with Hurricane Warren. Hunters checked in and said uh, talking about. They're uh, the winter missions that Hurricane Hunters does and says our, our, our winter storm missions are flown at 30 K 30,000 feet out ahead of the system, releasing 10 to 15 drop zones uh, to hopefully improve computer models and help forecasters in their track uh, and intensity forecasts. So thank what you. What you really meant was we're only getting paid 30 K to be out here. <laughs> That's probably right. Yeah. It's flying into a hurricane. Oh, good. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Hey, that about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Thanks for listening and watching. Before I tell you about our upcoming guest, if you enjoy our show, please do us a favor. Leave us a great review on your podcast app. Don't forget to subscribe to the show by hitting your podcast app subscribe button. It works just like a magazine or newspaper subscription. It assures you get the latest show delivered right to your inbox to listen the moment it's released. We want to give a special shout and thanks to our guests, Bill Ford and Mike Prendergast, for joining us tonight. 
And our next episode in two weeks uh, continues our season 3.0. And we will be recording on February 8th and celebrating Women in Science Day. Now, I say that, and tonight it's been a bunch of dudes. Uh, we... <laughs> what about Fluffy? You forgot Fluffy, Phil. Yeah. Fluffy's a girl. How do you know it's a girl? Uh, I don't know. The cross-dressing cat. We all know. Don't, don't go but there. But anyway, uh, it's February 8th, and we will be celebrating Women in Science Day with the Weather Channel's Jen Carfagno. So we're looking forward to having her on. Oh, she's awesome. And uh, yeah, and celebrating uh, Women in Science Day, which is on February 11th. So that ought to be fun. If you'd like to watch the recording live, just check out our YouTube channel by searching Stormfront Freaks, or you can go to our website, stormfrontfreaks.com. Uh, for MJ, for Maz, for Chris and Brady, I'm signaling the all clear, and we will catch you guys all next time. Good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. To subscribe and be notified when new episodes of our bi-weekly show are available, you can go to Apple Podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app and search for Stormfront Freaks. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter at Stormfront Freak. We'd love to hear from you. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out the interactive radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stormfrontfreaks. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.